Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, pretty excited to get into some interesting stuff today. You know, we've been trying to figure out how to make money off this podcast, and I figured it out. Tell me. We're going to call it the Blockchain Startup podca- Hustle Podcast. That instantly it, makes it worth like a billion dollars. Well, no, we're going to actually have to issue our own cryptocurrency in order to do that. But before we do all that, let's actually go ahead and set the table for what we're going to talk about today. So in theory, this podcast is about startups, the hustle associated with them, and a lot of other stuff. And and we want to get into that because so much news, information, and, and buzz is around stuff like Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, blockchain. But however, before we get into that and some of our future guests, I think we need to do something. You know what that is? Explain what the hell that even means. Welcome to Bitcoin for Dummies. All right. With your host, Matt and Watson. All wait, right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think that this needs to be hosted by Matt and DeCourcy. Okay, sure. Okay, this, right, just this episode. Fine. This episode, right. that's fine. Matt, what's a Bitcoin? It's funny internet money. Magic internet money. Yes. Right? And yes. I heard that it's a scam. It's a total scam. I don't agree. I don't think it is a scam. But anyway, so t- back in 2008, a guy or group of people or mystery person named Satoshi Nakamoto published a white paper. What's a white paper? It's a big, long document that nobody reads. Much like a business plan. (laughs) Right, right. So, okay, I get it now. Now, a white paper really kind of outlines what something's meant to do and what a future project will cover and whatever. Um, So, so this Satoshi Nakamoto character, he's literally unknown. It's a living legend. Okay, so no one knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is, which is where this kind of uh, mystery of Bitcoin starts. But, you know, not too long after this uh, white paper is published, which was, by the way, called Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. Then in January of 2009, some software shows up and it... I'm going to let you go ahead and get into that. You're the technical co-founder on this podcast. So uh, <laughs> lay it on us, Matt. Well, so I think it's first to understand the key invention here was the blockchain. Okay. It wasn't so much Bitcoin. Bitcoin was the usage of the blockchain, basically. So what's a blockchain? But th- that was the really key invention here. And some would say it's probably the biggest invention that's happened in this, in this you know, uh, decade. Okay. Um, and the reason why is blockchain was basically a new form of data storage that could work independently and autonomously in a very secure manner that nobody could mess with or screw with. And that was the key, the key innovation. And so the reason that's important is think about something like um, 
the banking systems or any kind of escrow service or third-party service or any of those types of things. Um, this Basically, the blockchain works as a distributed ledger that works autonomously where nobody controls it, but everybody contributes to keeping it working. So let me, let me interject here because as, and I'll serve as the non-technical co-founder <laughs> on this particular show, but, you know, businesses and institutions and anything that handles transactions or money since the invention of money have always dealt with theft, fraud, lack of accountability, and things that could be manipulated. So what you're saying is this distributed ledger keeps these records in a number of different places and makes them a lot harder to change, modify, or corrupt then, right? It, it creates a public <clears throat> record that everybody has access to uh, that nobody can modify. That's the key is it's, it's, it's considered to be immutable, which means you can't change it. Unlike a, a normal database, you could go into a database and change, you know, a record in a database to say you have ten dollars instead of twenty dollars or whatever. So why is it unchangeable? Because of the the way that it works with blocks and how it chains the blocks together and cryptography um, is so what code, is what makes it work. It's all based on the it's code. encrypted and it needs to be deciphered and and stuff like that. So how how does that happen? So basically. The blockchain is a series of blocks. And so the way it works... I mean, are these blocks like the ones my kids play with? Yes, yes, no. So there's a series of wooden blocks. There's a series of wooden blocks, literally wooden blocks. With information? Yes. (sighs) I'm already confused. So basically, (laughs) the way this works is a block is a series of transactions. And for a block to be created... It has to complete a mathematical formula, and that mathematical formula basically enables that block to tie to the previous block. Okay. okay? And so what happens is the way that the blockchain works, and this is the way Bitcoin stuff works, you have these thousands, maybe millions of computers that are processing the blockchain. And these computers are where? These are just anywhere, All right? over the world, Anybody yeah. like... And they, all t- and they all talk to each other through okay. a peer-to-peer network. And that was, that's why he called it a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. So that's what makes it decentralized, yes. meaning it's controlled by the people and it's, not necessarily by an entity. Yep. or It's whatever. controlled okay. by the code. And so this is the important part of the way it works is uh, basically for a block, which is a, a unit of work to be completed, it has to complete a mathematical formula. And whoever creates the mathematical formula first basically gets a Bitcoin for doing the calculation, and then it tells everybody else on the network that it has solved the equation. And so that's Bitcoin mining, then, right? Yeah, and mining is really kind of a terrible term for it because it's really it's who creates the block. It's not they call it mining, but basically it's whoever whoever finishes the math calculation first, and um, basically it has to go through a bunch of random. Uh, math calculations to figure out which one gets the right answer, basically. Now, and in, that, the pro- and that in the answer, process of doing this, it's also processing transactions that are occurring yes. within this peer-to-peer so, network. Right? Yeah, so in, in a block right now, in today, is like a 10 minutes or so. Every, every 10 minutes, uh, some computer around the world solves a block. And all the transactions that happen within that rough 10 minutes of time basically are in a ledger of who bought what, who did what, what, what happened is recorded in that block 
And then that is distributed to all the other nodes on the network. And, and it tells them, I solved, I solved the math problem. Here's the new block. And, and, then, a, and a lot of this is able to be done on a somewhat anonymous basis. As it well. is. It is. And so basically whoever creates the block um, that they all, the, the way the software is written, they take that block and that block becomes the end of the chain. And then everybody starts working on the next block. Um, and there's a bunch of, and basically what's, what's interesting about it is all the data is recorded to the blockchain and can never be modified. And the blockchain, I think the, the um, Bitcoin blockchain now is like 160 gigabytes or something like that. But what's interesting about it, if you want to know, for example, how many, how many Bitcoin you own, you have to read all 160 gigabytes of data and unlock every single block and read through them and figure out how much money you have. That doesn't sound very efficient. <laughs> no, it's incredibly inefficient. So since since we're doing Bitcoin for dummies, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna be the voice of reason here because that sounds like a lot of stuff. It sounds really confusing. It is confusing. And, and so in eight that's why they call in it eighteen seventy three, or really any time before computers, a ledger at a business was literally a book. It was right. something that w- where transactions were recorded by hand. And let's say I was your accountant or bookkeeper. I theoretically could erase a line of that ledger or an entry in it and replace it with a different number, put the difference in my pocket. And depending on how ready and willing you were to audit and maintain that, you may or may not have figured out that I did it. Right. Now, on a modern level, and I think a lot of us are familiar with things like white collar crime. Um, white collar crime, which is, you know, these people at big companies that embezzle a hundred million dollars. And, you know, the funny thing is, is when we think about crime and its impact, the value of white collar crime grossly exceeds the cost of the things that are stolen on a much more material and petty level. So that has a lot to do with big business and other types of fascination with the blockchain technology. Now, with that, what was intended to create this uh, purest, you know, decentralized thing. Now, do you, are you aware of some of the nefarious uh, things that it it found use for a long, long before some of its current uses? Oh, I use Bitcoin all the time to buy nefarious things. Okay, I don't. That I'm going to turn off the microphone, and you can tell me all about that at some <laughs> point. But, but you know, so Bitcoin. I remember when it first came out, and it's funny because there's a lot of people that have interesting Bitcoin stories. So, you know, in 2011, um, when, you know, here I am and, and we're in this uh, so-called million dollar bedroom that I wrote a book about. It's available on Amazon if you want to grab a copy of it. Mr. Watson's in that as well. And thanks to all 12 people that read it, we're up from eight readers to 12. Okay. So, yeah. But in 2011, we're here, here in this uh, very, uh, you know, early stage of my business. And one of my employees and I decided that we wanted to buy a thousand Bitcoins. And at the time they were seven bucks a piece. We couldn't figure out how to do it. Like we literally couldn't figure out how to buy a Bitcoin. And then what the hell were we going to do with it? And like back then, and we'll get into some of that because, you know, we want to describe this, but just to throw this out there, this Bitcoin would have been worth about $18 million at some point this year, maybe as high as 20. Um, but the accessibility to some of this stuff um, started becoming a lot more mainstream because, and I don't want to say this is the only use of Bitcoin, but because of its anonymous nature, there was a lot of people doing some, uh, well, illegal transactions so, online. So there's two things there that are important. The, the problem with Bitcoin is getting Bitcoin. 
Yeah. It's converting fiat money or U.S. dollars, euros, whatever, to cryptocurrency. Centralized currency. And so that's why sites like Coinbase are real popular because they make that easy. Sure. Now, the other part of this that you're wrong about is Bitcoin is not anonymous. Yeah, no, I get it, but it is it is perce- here, it's perceived it's, as anonymous. It, yes, so everybody thought right. it yes. was anonymous, yes. but so here's the reason it's not anonymous is we talked about it's a distributed ledger. Um, everybody has a wallet that you basically store your Bitcoin in. That wallet has a public address. So every time I would go to let's pretend Amazon and buy something, it, it's stored in this general ledger that the whole world can see. It would say from Matt's public address, although it wouldn't know it was Matt sent money from there to Amazon. Well, eventually, if somebody figures out my public address, they can go back and see every transaction I ever did throughout all of history because it's on this public ledger. But I'm smarter than that. Do you know do you know how a lot of this was sidestepped and you know people got around that was now on top of taking this distributed ledger, they started using things like the Tor browser. Are you familiar right. with Tor? Yeah. So Tor is, is something that, okay, so I figured out this could link back to me. So things like Tor actually allowed users to now go through multiple peer-to-peer networks on their way to right. doing transactions with the peer-to-peer network. But what I'm trying to get at is there were sites like um, the one that was famous was known as the Silk Road which was a online marketplace for drugs. Right. And yep. so with that, Bitcoin got, a, it got stigmatized at early for being used for nefarious purposes. And this is one of the things, this is one of the things that it's had to fight image wise is that uh, drug dealers and money launderers and people like that. And they, there's certainly some of that going on and there was on its way to adoption. However, sometimes these kind of things can also legitimize what you're doing because at that point, Bitcoin was that magical internet money, yep. and now it's being traded for goods and services. Forget about what the goods or services were. Once you do that, it actually became on a real currency. It's a currency. It's a currency. Yes, yes. So, you know, that's some of the things that Bitcoin's had to deal with. And now, is the value of my Bitcoin stable, Matt? No, it's probably going to go up or down every week, 20 or 30%. What? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, why is that a problem? Um, Other than the general volatility and well, going broke, <clears throat> you know, if you're holding it as an investment, the volatility of it is is insane for sure. The one of the things I always say is like if if a currency, if people are going to use any of this stuff as a currency, it's got to be stable. For example, if you if you sign a contract for your for your rent, you're like I owe I owe one Bitcoin a month or whatever for my rent, if the price of a Bitcoin is going all over the place, then that kind of changes how much your rent is. Okay. So that's the if problem. You made a so deal with me and you it. said, well, actually, and, and I want to point out to our listeners, we started planning this episode. What was that six or seven weeks ago? Because we felt like dummies when it came to Bitcoin. I'm still a dummy. Yeah. Well, I, we are light years ahead of where we Well, you know how this started. A couple well, from the accidental Bitcoin? I, f- I accidentally found that I had half a Bitcoin I didn't know I had. Because you had actually successfully procured one and managed to spend the other half. How much was that half a Bitcoin worth when you found it? Uh, it was worth $8,000. So you found a used Honda Civic <laughs> of, ma- of magical internet money yes. inside a digital wallet yes. that you forgot about. Now, it's funny because there's been a lot of instances of that. Um, we were just eating lunch and a, a, a popular rapper, 50 Cent, 
just discovered quite a bit of Bitcoin. He was letting people pay for albums with it, what, five or six years ago? Yeah. What was the value of Bitcoin back then? Oh, it was probably five, ten bucks. So it was probably like one Bitcoin yeah. for like the album. ones I was trying to buy yeah. were seven dollars a piece. And when I bought it, I bought one in two thousand fourteen. I think it was seven hundred dollars. I did it on Coinbase, and I think that's when Coinbase was fairly new. Well, what's Coinbase? Um, it's a popular site that people use to buy and sell Bitcoin. How many? How many people use that? Oh, I think they have like a hundred thousand people a day or some crazy shit that sign up for it. It went up. It was, yes, it they, went up. They, they, yeah. And um, the, the reason it's popular is it makes it really easy to put in a credit card or your bank account number and say, "I want to buy, you know, a hundred bucks of Bitcoin or five hundred bucks or whatever it is." Is Bitcoin the only thing I can buy at places like that? No, they they have four cryptocurrencies, um, but there are actually thousands of cryptocurrencies and probably thousands more coming. So probably thousands more we've <clears> never <throat> even heard of that are even more of a shill coin than the thousands that we do hear about. So, you know, I've, I've kind of reverted myself back to a, a dummy's mentality, but I want to put myself forward to just kind of a dummy. Is that all right? Can I have permission to be kind of a dummy? I, I always think of you as your dummy. I know, I know that, yes. And that's recorded in the blockchain for everybody <laughs> to know for all time, without a doubt. So <clears throat> you found half a Bitcoin. And at the time, Bitcoin was headed towards an all-time high. Yeah. And honestly, that got my attention, too. And here you are, um, because everything I do is pretty much structured around just needing to do whatever you're doing, Matt. So okay. I needed to buy some Bitcoin okay. at that point. So, <laughs> no, I wanted to get into so it. You, but, so you bought some Bitcoin when it was at all-time high? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I remember sitting there with you. And this, <laughs> yes, of course. My philosophy when it comes to investing in cryptocurrency is to buy high and sell low. By the way, I want to say this to someone before we get into this next part. We aren't kidding. This shit is volatile. Um, if you know what you're doing, um, we're not recommending that you invest in it. We're not encouraging you to invest in it. You do that. It's all your own decision. And just know that that the people that are hosting this started messing around with this. Like, we're not experts on this. We've got a couple months in. I, we spent a lot of time doing it, but we experienced this volatility firsthand. Now, I remember sitting there, I was in your office and we were, okay, so we got some Bitcoin and Coinbase, but we want to trade these other altcoins, right. as they're called, yep. alternate currencies, which, you know, there are thousands of, and a lot of these things are moving. So you actually explained to me how I was going to do that. Yes. Actually, we had purchased some Bitcoin on Coinbase and then we had to transfer it. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. So if I want to transfer money, my, if I want to send you a Bitcoin, um, I do that to... So every we all have a wallet and even on Coinbase or whatever we so have. So Coinbase unique, might be your wallet. Yeah, you can use Coinbase as your wallet and think of it like a bank. You know, So you can actually use Bitcoin in a way that the wallet is like on your computer or whatever, right. but you can also use it so that your wallet is hosted in the cloud, sort of like a bank account. And so basically, but, but wait a minute, Bitcoin's like $20,000. I don't want to send you a whole Bitcoin. That's too much. Well, I want you to can send, send me you... one Satoshi. Well, what, what's a Satoshi? Uh, I believe it's one, 100 millionth of it, a Bitcoin. It's whatever point is and then seven zeros and then a one. Yeah. And that is lovingly referred to as a Satoshi, which I think at the time of recording this, a uh, thousand Satoshis is like about a dime. Okay. It's roughly in that ballpark. Uh, now, what time of the day are we, are we doing this? But I think that's probably about how much it is if Bitcoin is 10,000 bucks. I think, I think that a thousand Satoshis is about a dime. I'm not sure. Okay. Someone, you do the math. 
So the, the key is basically so gonna, if you want to transfer I'm money. I'm going to send you uh, 30,000 Satoshis. How do I You would that? go into Coinbase. I would give you my address, which is going to be like a big, long string of letters and numbers. It looks like a serial number or And something. basically you would go in there and hit uh, withdrawal, and you would put in my address and hit send. So and then like a few you, minutes later, I would get the the satoshis probably more like 30 minutes later with Bitcoin. well that's now, probably some of the other coins are the faster problem. yeah so what's occurring during that process like what makes that money what makes my magical internet money turn into your magical internet money well that transaction gets sent out to all the processing nodes and then those nodes pick it up and add it to the block that we, we described earlier uh, verify, uh, I think the signatures that my public key and your public key are valid and it's moving money between there and it validates it and writes it into the block. And, and to, to be real basic about that, once six verified transactions occur, most of these places will acknowledge that your magic internet money is now in their system. Yep. So the, and that's that distributed ledger. So that transaction is recorded in a minimum of six places. And that's what makes this somewhat more uncorruptible. Like, you know, now if you wanted to theoretically change this ledger, you would have to be doing that in a lot of different places. And that's what makes it somewhat. That's that's what's, that's what's secure about Bitcoin is, Basically, whoever controls 51% of the nodes controls all of Bitcoin. But because there's millions of nodes, nobody will ever control 51%. So, now, the last time I transferred any amount of Bitcoin from one place to another, it took about a half an hour. That's not efficient. I've seen it take many hours. I, I had one that took like a whole day. And uh, this process rewards the people that are performing these transactions in a bidding system. So these computers and these processors and this all the software, everything that makes this happen, is usually set to pay attention to the transactions that are willing to pay the most yes. to occur. Now, it's a problem. You it, Can you imagine if you went to the pharmacy and you just wanted to buy some cough syrup and you ran your card through and they're like, yeah, sir, if you could just take a seat um, in 30 minutes when this is done transacting, like in many ways, this is back. T- it was it was way faster to use the old carbon copy credit card <laughs> things that, with a little slider. And, you yeah. know, so in order to solve some of those problems, a process called forking. Yes, that's right. It gets forked. Just like any code on it. A GitHub or Git project would be No, forward. this is for dummies, Matt. All what right. does that mean? Well, most source code is stored in a, a repository, and a fork is basically when you make a copy of the code. So there were people, and the first ones I believe to do this for Bitcoin was Litecoin. It right. was one of the first ones. They took the code and forked it and decided to improve some of these things. So they make it better. They make it more. And that's efficient. how we got a new cryptocurrency. And then a new crypto was yeah. born. So here's and the now thing there's new there's new forks of Bitcoin that come out every week now. Now we'll check this out though, and that's what I find to be really interesting. And we didn't even mention this. There's supposed to be a finite amount of these coins, twenty one million, I think. But there is a be rapidly becoming an infinite amount of forks. Yeah. And I find that to be a little ironic because it's not. I don't know. I don't think that. Satoshi Nakamoto, wherever you are, please email us info at startuphustle.xyz. 
We want to know how you feel about forking. And we'll give you our wallet address. You can send us some Bitcoin. I will send you a Satoshi <laughs> if you answer that question, Satoshi. But, you know, here's the thing is like some of these things are meant to do things better. Now, in my experience, because I was curious when I was able to send a Litecoin to another wallet. Now, we actually sent this stuff to uh, other uh, exchanges. exchanges. Yeah. Um, one that that I have used, and I believe you did too, is Binance. Yeah, which has quickly become the most popular. And talk about a success story. They went from launching their product to like six months later, we worth over a billion dollars, and they're profitable. I, I like it because it gives me a very large uh, option of things to invest yeah, there's like a couple Very hundred. Poor land. There's a couple hundred cryptocurrencies, and you know some there. of the more popular ones are like what is it Ethereum? Ethereum, yeah, Ripple, um, Ripple, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin. And, and so since we're explaining and talking about the basic mechanics, not all of these cryptocurrencies or blockchain systems are meant to be currencies. Some of no. them actually perform different stuff. Yeah, so there's several of them. They're all built on blockchain, but they're for different purposes. So. There's some now. So think about Bitcoin was actually designed more to be a currency, and it's a ledger of the transactions. Where there are other ones that were designed to be like distributed applications, or maybe distributed of other information that's not a currency. Or in Binance's case, they made their own coin. Yeah, so it's more and of that's a, used to pay your fees. It's a utility token, and it's it, only only really provides value within the Binance system, right? But it has it does have real value and yeah. it has a built-in demand. Now, when you read about the white paper that was associated with that particular coin, they made two hundred million of them, but then they burn them. What does that mean? Well, Binance, for example, is buying them back, um, and then they destroy them. They destroy them. So, so there's fewer of them left. So why would they do that? Um, well, for them, it was an ICO. In some in some an, sense, an so, initial coin yep. offering. So way for and this is real popular now for startups, um, which is a topic we should talk about and in a future will. episode. And we will is there's these startups that are, are launching companies instead of doing like a seed round or Series A or whatever, they're doing an initial coin offering. And what and 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 these it's coins, a, it's, it's while that is more complex in nature, it is actually better. Well, a it's unregulated. <laughs> well, you, you sort of become yeah. a publicly traded yeah. company, yeah. With, but it, but they're not shares; they're like imaginary. They could be. Money. They could be. There are some yeah. that you could treat like a coin is a share, and it actually has voting rights or whatever. So there's there's a lot of ways to do this. Way back in the old days of startup hustle, which was. Not that long ago, but I think it was episode six, maybe, with Rachel Qualls from yes, yes. Venture360. We were talking about why that matters for startups, and I love the concept of it. So here's the thing, and, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe someday you'll buy some of my company. And if we wanted to do that, we'd have to go to a law office. We'd have to go through transactions. We'd have to do a lot of stuff. Now, if you want to sell that, you've got to do a lot of other things that, you know, aren't always making things conveniently transferable. So one of the things that this is important for, for like future startup owners is the ability to potentially, well, if you're a founder and you're, you're broke, 
like a lot of founders are, it would make it easy for you to theoretically maybe sell a half a percent of your shares and either alleviate some personal discomfort or possibly just little micro transactions to help fund the business. Basically, there could be a marketplace that has volume and liquidity that you could sell a little bit of your your stock or your shares. And it makes it easier for people to invest in your company and it creates an actual ledger of these yep. transactions that show that you bought it and it does things. So so basically blockchain can be pretty disruptive it for a be, lot of different it things. It can be very disruptive. Like I was reading about today, there's some company that is uh, doing um, titles for land and being able to, sure. it's a perfect example of where you have a distributed ledger that says, okay, this address was bought by this person at this time. It's public knowledge. It's supposed to be public knowledge. And now this information can live out in the public mm-hmm. in a distributed manner and it's there. You don't have to like go down to the courthouse or something and, and get these records. Like it's, it's available on the internet and nobody can mess with it. It's there. We have someone cool next week coming in to talk about some of that. I know. And yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to that too. Uh, having to do with uh, in, a local startup that's using, to, using blockchain to, to keep track of some medical records. And I'm looking forward to hearing how that's going to work. And that's um, a great example of where, yeah. That information necessarily shouldn't be public, right? but it should always be available to me as a consumer to go get that information. I should have my own key, right, which enables me to unlock and, and read that data, and nobody else can. But that's information that should be out there and available, and I should be able to give my key to whoever I want and say, here, access my medical records. Right? You're right. And, you know, that... That's where this is powerful. Well, I just switched health, health insurance. Providers. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. <laughs> like, I, I mean, my now my wife's having to deal with it more, but she was disgruntled to say the least at the need to transfer and make all these things and change all this stuff. So some of that stuff can change a lot of things. So without being too specific, have you made any money trading any of this shit? I've pretended a few times that I was going to the moon and I was going to buy a Lambo, but most time I was just hodling. Oh, wow. Let's go ahead and break that down. Um, so first off, I at, at me as well in some regards. Um, so cryptocurrency, as this is referred to, has a very loyal following. And with it, they use some fun and interesting terms. It has its own little community of... HODL. H-O-D-L, which is just the word hold with two letters changed. Well, and also hold on for dear life. Yeah, but... It was still, you hodl when you decide to put it in your pocket and wait for the volatility to pass. And oftentimes that, uh, that volatility is caused by uh, people. FUD. FUD, there you go. Fear, yeah. uncertainty, and doubt. Yeah, it's so volatile, it goes down 20%. That's the best thing you want to do when it goes down 20% is hodl. Yeah, hodling, but um, you know, the really thing, the thing that I find to be interesting is, and this is where this is so debatable. So much of this stuff that you're hodling and that people on social media are creating FUD around isn't even a product yet. It's what's called vaporware. Matt, what's vaporware? Uh, It's every software product I've ever created. <laughs> That's why I'm hodling stock in these companies. <laughs> I'm right just now. kidding. No. Well, what what happens is you get you get a couple guys like us to get together and say we are going to create uh, hustle coin, the next best thing since sliced bread. Uh, it'll be done in six months, 
Um, Here's our but white you paper. can start. But the only way to buy our bread is with our uh, token that we're issuing. We're going to issue a billion of them, and you can buy them on Binance for a dollar a piece. And um, next thing you know, our company's worth like billions of dollars because we're going to launch the next best thing since sliced bread. And some of the things that drive that are FOMO. Fear of missing out. Which all these brilliant people that have done all these brilliant things are launching a new crypto coin. It's got to be great, right? It's just a bunch of noobs on Redis. Reddit. Now, now, it's likely that a lot of this stuff is not legit. No. And it has huge amounts of money pouring into it. Do you mind if I tell you about how that recently affected uh, a specific company on the pink sheet market here? Yeah, no, that'd be great. I mean, that's why we're renaming the podcast. Yes, this is now the the crypto hustle. (laughs) Anyway, there's a company... And I don't remember what they were called, and I might, these might vary a little bit. So anyway, someone buys a sports bra manufacturer for $400,000. This is a failing company at this point. And they, they rename it to something Crypto Co. I can't remember what it was. Some, but it had crypto in the name. Yeah, crypto or blockchain. So much or... money is blindly flowing into this market that the SEC stopped trading on this company because it reached somewhere like a six or eight or nine, anyway, a multi-billion dollar valuation. And it had $900,000 in revenue. And they weren't even in the space. They really weren't even, they were, they made sports bras, Matt, sports bras. Now they said they wanted to make a crypto, but that is the amount of, that is what FOMO and then FUD and then all these other things that people like to talk about, it's what it creates. So there's a easy, it's a big hype machine. So we learned a lot of this really early. Like uh, John McAfee. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is an interesting character. Um, John McAfee, who, by the way, has a very interesting documentary out about him. I think it's called The God. The Gringo? Yes, The Gringo. And it's, yeah, anyway, you watch it. it Dude's weird, but he's uh, he's from McAfee Virus Scan, and this is a twenty guy years ago made a zillion dollars yep. doing a zillion things. At some point, moved to like El Salvador or whatever, and and hodled himself up in his own little compound doing a lot of weird shit. But he's actually a huge crypto guy, and him making a comment on Twitter about your coin yeah. might make it go up twenty percent. <clears throat> okay, realistically, there's no fundamental reason that that is worth twenty percent more other than hype. No. Hype, hype, hype. It's what drives a lot of this. So, Which is no different than stock and like Tesla and other things, true, right? Which, true, but they're making a product. Yep. They're performing a service and they have, it's a little bit, and it's regulated. This, all this stuff at, the, at this particular moment, we're here in January of 2018, is very poorly regulated. And we're seeing a lot of FUD caused because governments are trying to stick their hand in this now, right? Yeah, the, the best, if you're going to buy any of this stuff, the best ones to buy are the ones that are the actual blockchains and actually or the do actual something. currencies. Yes. Like, um, well, Binance was one that, and once again, not yeah. recommending you buy any of this, but some of these are actually used for real things like well, transactions like, and, and, like and whatever. Ethereum and Ripple Bitcoin. and Stellar and yeah. Cordana, and some of these are all blockchain companies or doing things around that that are providing what powers all of this. Right. 
And those are the ones that are the most likely to succeed. A lot of these other companies that are doing ICOs and stuff like that are doing them on top of those. So like yeah. Ethereum is one of the big the, the biggest blockchains. and, and So it, you can build your blockchain and your on coins top on top of on their top engine, of yeah. which gives it a credible use. Yes. Now, is it worth whatever the price of it is when you listen to this? Who knows? That's up to you. And that's but up those to are the, the market. Best ones but those actually have... A, now, there are also a whole uh, list of coins that are out there that are at least trying to offer an anonymous nature too, like Monero. Yeah, there's a one. few the that, new one, like you have Verge. I saw yes, that come out yeah. uh, recently. And, 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 and some of these have big money and names behind them. Like yeah. one of them came out of Y Combinator. Uh, which, is, which is Google's startup. No, it's uh, not Google related. Why, why Combinator is not Google? It is a incubator. It's an incubator. Yes. In the Valley. It is it, out there. Google doesn't own all of California yet. Maybe. Didn't they split it with Apple? Maybe somewhere yeah, that might be true. When California went, but broke, they don't have anything they, to do with when California went broke. I think Apple bought half, and, and Coinbase bought the other half. Uh, Coinbase, I think, was also a white combinator. Okay, well, so there's been a couple. They're companies. doing okay. And by the way, all uh, you know, we mentioned in a previous episode that the people that oftentimes get rich during a gold rush aren't the miners, but the, the people that sell the pickaxes. Yep. yep. Uh, you're seeing that a lot. Like for example, the uh, uh, Metro something bank. That it's all they have all the money from Coinbase. They do all the money wires for Coinbase. They've seen their stock value almost double in the last twelve months. And think about Nvidia, who makes graphic cards. That's a good point. They can't make them fast. That's enough. a big point. So well, that's actually. And, you know, we'll, we'll wrap this up here in a minute because you might have started wondering, you know, should I be buying this? That's up to you. Um, should I be mining it? We uh, ran a little experiment <laughs> <laughs> on uh, cryptocurrency mining. And with this, we took a computer tower that I had in my office that hadn't been on in a year. And we decided to turn it on and we installed Minergate. Yeah, that's, that's what, what yeah, okay. so, Which is, by the way, is really easy. And we joined the peer-to-peer network and away we went with mining. Matt, how much money do you think this computer made? What was the value that it made on average per day? Uh, I think it's like 15 cents a day. You're correct. Yeah, we're on pace to make $5. But one of these days, month. those coins are going to be worth like a million dollars a piece. It could be because at some point, Bitcoin was worth yeah. pennies. Now, we've been, what are we mining? Bitcoin? Yeah, some called Bitcoin. That's not a knockoff. Um, but yeah, so like, who knows? And, but the thing is, 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 you know, if you were considering getting into this, it's expensive because this computer's operating at one 200 to 250th of what an actual machine built so the, to do that. Yeah. So the breakdown is at some point in time, they figured out how to make the, the mining, the, the running of these calculations, uh, more efficient with graphics processors because, um, they're faster than a normal CPU for doing certain types of things with floating. So like gaming floating, computers yeah, and things that have, have a lot of like little, uh, wait, magical internet people running around <laughs> fighting each other and, so they, and stuff like that. So, okay. If, so if you go buy a high-end video card, it'll mine like 40 times faster than the normal CPU will on your computer. Um, but the problem now, if you want to mine something like Bitcoin, is you've also, they've made computer processors that are designed only to mine Bitcoin. And those things are like 40 times faster than a graphics card. So, How much does one of these really good or claiming to be good Bitcoin mining computers cost? I think the ASICs processors that we're talking about, like an ant miner and stuff like that, they're about five or $6,000. So think about that. And how much coin am I going to get out of You'll that? You'll get one coin every couple of years. 
No, that's Bitcoin. One Bitcoin. But why is that? That's Well, so they say today, if you, any one person, if they were mining for Bitcoin, if they were completing the blocks that are part of the chain, it would take a single normal computer like over a year to find to find it. So what's happening in 10 minutes, if only one computer was doing all of the processing, it would take over a year. But there are so many people doing it that it gets harder, it gets harder and harder, exponentially harder. Now our boy, Satoshi Nakamoto, we're we're assuming, you know what? That was sexist. We don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. That could be a woman. It could be. He mined, they mined, it mined the very (laughs) first Bitcoin block ever. And that paid out 50 Bitcoins. Yep. That was a pretty good transaction. Um, By the way, there's some really funny stuff online with people looking back at what they actually... What did you buy with the other half of that Bitcoin? (laughs) I don't remember. But yeah, you read lots of stories of people who are like... They they have pictures. I saw a guy on Twitter. He's like, this is my $10,000 pizza of which I gave a $2,500 tip for. Yes. And he was just talking about that was probably someone that bought a pizza when Bitcoin was like 40 bucks or whatever. Um, You know, you look back at the funny Bitcoin stories and some of that, uh, I probably wouldn't even have these Bitcoins because this has been so insane that the only place to really keep and trade them at one point in 2014 basically went belly up. Mount Gox. Which was originally a Pokemon trading platform. Really? I didn't know yes, that. that is. It got repurposed into that, and everything got stolen. And some well, of you, that, some of that is is stuff that if you're into this, you want to make sure that you're you keeping track of what you've got and do you know pick a, pick a respectable, well known exchange. And if you're going, well, you can store them on your own. Computer. I was going to say, if you're going to hodl it. You can hold them on your own computer. You can keep it in but your own are, computer, even other cold storage devices. But there are other stories of that where somebody was mining Bitcoin several years ago and they forgot about it. And then they throw their computer away and they're like, oh, shit, now it's worth millions of dollars. That, and that's lost. And it's gone. You can't get that back. That's the way this shit works. So if you keep in mind, if you buy this stuff and, you know, you just know what you're doing. There, you guess what? There's enough information on the Internet. Ask your kid. Yeah, ask your kid. <laughs> Go ask your five-year-old how to mine Bitcoin and, you know, see what happens. Well, hey, you know what? I think this is a great start to this whole series with Bitcoin and all of this. Uh, we got some great guests lined up. We're going to leave our uh, our science experiment computer on, which I think at this point has got about, well, I had 4,000 Satoshis because, by the way, I... I was so excited about that $5 a month, I turned it on a second computer. Oh, man. I know. I'm almost rich. Well, I also bought a mining rig. I know. So we'll see. We'll, we'll yeah, give everybody an update so, on how that goes, too. And, we'll, and we're going to keep you posted because we're running some science experiments here. Um, I have not made any money trading crypto no. after two months. I am, and I think I'm down 20%. And I, I'm, I have not made any money, and I have spent way too much. The best thing time I could have ever it. done, way too much, time. is when I found that half a bitcoin. I should have just sold it and ran away. Oh, you didn't sell it? No, I didn't. Oh, you hodled it. I, well, I decided to invest even more. And uh, oh, okay, you bought so, wait, you bought more coins. Wait, you, yeah. bought, you bought more internet magical internet money yeah. with the magical internet money that you forgot about. Yeah, and then it all went down like thirty percent value. Well, I remember when you found that. Coin, I thought you sold it, but wow! So you don't have a used Honda Civic. You have like a Nissan Sentra <laughs> from like nineteen eighty eight with like two hundred thousand miles on it. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe well, that might have been a little overstated. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Um, let's get 
get into these guests that we have going forward. Um, and we're going to keep you guys up to date. We'll probably have a few little uh, short bonus episodes along the way. Uh, they won't be as long as this one, but we'll keep you updated on what we're finding. We'll make sure that you're huddled down with the very best FUD and other well, information. You know how there's we have the Founders Club? Do we need to have like the, the crypto, crypto club? The crypto it's forming. It's forming. Too. And by the way, you made a comment earlier about going to the moon. <laughs> uh, if you join a uh, online uh, community about crypto, all you will see is every time it ticks up about five Satoshis, which is n- not even a nickel, all these people go, man, we're getting Lambos and we're going to the moon. So I'm already there. You're not. <laughs> Not even close. That's what I'm telling everybody, man. Not even close. Well, I'm telling them. Actually, uh, um, I've been, and I got into this way too late, but I still make sure that I shame everybody I can about why they're not smart enough to have bought Bitcoin at the right time. Okay. I mean, I I bought it at the wrong time, but I'm not letting (laughs) anybody know that. I'm good. God, why didn't you buy Bitcoin? How could you not have seen around that corner? So you're spreading the FOMO? Uh, yeah, they actually FUD. I'm more, of, I'm more of a FUD guy. Uh, Elmer FUD? Yeah. Well, no, I, I, the problem <laughs> is I just don't, I've only got like 3,000 followers on Twitter. So I don't really have much of a reach when it comes to that. But yeah, I'm usually trying to drive the price down because <laughs> I, with my new mining operation, I'm a Bitcoin whale. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we'll let you know how the Lambos are running on our way to the moon. Check us out next time. See you, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.